Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, hello, I'm Chris. I'm the lead pastor at Compass, and thank you for joining me today. As we get started, I would like to run a hypothetical scenario by you, and I would like to get your reaction. So imagine that I'm sitting in my living room, and I'm just quietly reading a book, sitting in the recliner. It's very peaceful. And my wife walks in. She gets a full wind-up, and she slaps me right on top of my bald head. What do you think? Was hitting me a good thing or a bad thing? Most of us would say that hitting someone is a bad thing. I mean, it's what we teach our kids, right? Don't hit. But what if I gave you just a little bit more information? What if there was a spider on my head? And what if you knew that I am also completely terrified of spiders? And in this scenario, my wife, Terry, comes in. She sees a spider on my head. And she knows if she tells me there's a spider on me, that I'm going to panic and that spider's going to get away. And she also knows that the, we would then spend the next hour trying to find it because I cannot rest knowing that there is a loose spider somewhere in the room. So she just walked in, didn't say a word, and smacked me on top of the head to get that spider. Now, that completely changes the story, right? Once you know the why... Instead of Terry being a jerk who hits her husband, she becomes a loving wife who saves her husband from terrifying spiders, which, again, she has my permission to do every time. How about this hypothetical? There's a lonely princess, and she dreams of this great big world and these relationships outside of her small enclosed castle. And eventually, she meets a prince from a foreign kingdom who asks her to marry him and live happily ever after with him. I mean, this is a no-brainer, right? This is a textbook happy ending. But what if I told you the prince only asked the princess to marry him so that he could take her kingdom? I mean, this is the plot of Frozen, guys. And Prince Hans is literally the bad guy in that movie. And when you find out why he asked Anna to marry him, he moves from being a hero in the movie to becoming its main villain. Understanding why a person does the things they do, it can change everything about how we perceive their actions and even their character. Understanding the why allows us to understand their motivations, which allows us to just understand them better. So in this Miracles message series we're in, we have spent weeks looking at a handful of miracles that Jesus performed in the Gospel of Matthew. And here at the end of chapter 9, Matthew brings this miracle section of his book to a close with a summary statement That helps us understand why Jesus did the things he did. And grasping that helps us understand why God continues to do the things that he does. And how that can change how we think and how we live. And so we're going to wrap up our message series beginning in Matthew 9 verse 35. It says that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. So this right here is basically a summary of what we've seen Jesus doing all along. He's been traveling through the towns and villages of Galilee, telling people about God's kingdom and meeting people's physical needs by healing the sick. But again, why was he doing it? Well, let's look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
So I know that like we're really early in the message, right? And this is a very early point in the message to give you the main point and answer the big question that we're asking, but here it is. Why did Jesus do the things he did? Compassion. And here it is, main point, okay? Everything Jesus did was motivated by compassion. Everything. When he saw the people who were crowding around him for help, he felt compassion for them. Matthew describes them as sheep without a shepherd, and he calls them confused and helpless. And Matthew's use of this shepherd analogy is actually pretty important. Now remember, Matthew wrote his gospel to a Jewish audience in order to convince them that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah that they had been waiting for. And Matthew's Jewish audience, they would have understood what it meant when he used this shepherd analogy. Because the term shepherd had long been used to describe the religious and spiritual leaders of the people of Israel. For example, when David became the king of Israel, this is what the people said in 2 Samuel verse 5-2. <clears throat> and the Lord told you, you will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So the king of Israel was a political leader, but the king of Israel was also the spiritual leader of the people. The king of Israel was their shepherd, the one who would lead them and guide them and care for them. And a thousand years later, a thousand years after David is anointed king, right? A thousand years later, when Jesus made this statement, there was no king of Israel. The political nation of Israel didn't exist anymore, and the people were under Roman rule. But they still had shepherds. Their priests and religious leaders were their shepherds. These were the leaders the Jewish people looked to as, as their shepherds, their guides. And God expected his shepherds to care for the people well. And when they didn't, well, I mean, see for yourself, Ezekiel 34. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel, all of them. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. So here Ezekiel describes the religious and spiritual leaders of his day, the people who were the shepherds of Israel, and he describes them as taking advantage of the people in order to enrich themselves. But there's more. He keeps going in verse 4. You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended to the sick or bound up the injured. You've not gone looking for those who've wandered away and are lost. Instead, you've ruled them with harshness and cruelty. And so my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They've wandered through all the mountains and all the hills, hills across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. This is a very harsh description of the people who were the leaders of Israel, the political and religious leaders. And, and God isn't just upset with the shepherds of Israel because they were fleecing the people, which is bad enough. He was upset at them because they weren't caring for those who had the greatest physical needs, the sick, the injured, the lost. Ezekiel is describing a people who are looking out for themselves and not interested in the needs of other people. 
And God's primary concern with these bad shepherds, it wasn't their religious observation. That was fine. It wasn't their knowledge of scripture. That was great. It wasn't their doctrinal adherence. That was all there. It was this in verse four through six. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. When Jesus saw the crowds as if they were sheep without a shepherd, it wasn't because they had no shepherds. They did. It was just that their shepherds ruled them with harshness and cruelty. The opposite of the compassion that moved Jesus. In spite of their perfect religious credentials, they were still harsh and cruel, leaving the people confused about God and helpless about how to find him. And, and how could that be? How could the most religious people cause so much harm? It's because compassion is different than duty or religious obligation. The religious leaders who were bad shepherds followed and believed in the same God and in the same Jewish scriptures that Jesus did. But without compassion as a driving and motivating factor, the religion that they took so seriously it not only became something that was actively hurting people, but it became something that God hated. And he's always hated. I mean, Jesus quoted this verse to the religious leaders when they criticized him for eating with Matthew, a tax collector and a notorious lost sheep. Jesus quoted Hosea 6.6, and he says it here in Matthew verse 9 through 13. He says, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. God's true desire for humankind is for us to live with mercy and compassion toward each other, to love our neighbor as ourself. And if there's any expression of religion that God desires, that's it. But we so easily get this twi twisted and backwards and we think, you know, if I do and believe the right religious things, then I'm good with God, whether other people are left behind or not. But that's the exact opposite of God's heart. Doctrine without compassion is just hot air. Religious observance without compassion is just busy work. Worship without compassion, it's just noise. The reason the bad shepherds, these religious leaders, could follow the same God and read the same scriptures as Jesus and still get it so wrong was because they were not motivated by what motivated Jesus. Compassion. And religion without compassion is religion that rules with harshness and cruelty. In spite of its orthodoxy and doctrinal fidelity, without compassion is the why, religion will always leave behind hurting and lost sheep who are confused and helpless. So this is what Jesus saw and felt when he looked at the crowds. What now, right? What did he do about it? Well, he did two things. First, look at Matthew 9, 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So first, in response to this compassion that he felt, Jesus told his disciples to pray for God to send people to do the work. And this is interesting because there's only two times when Jesus told his disciples to pray for something specific. The first is when he gave the Lord's prayer. And the second is right here. And he said, ask God to send workers. And then Jesus did a second thing in Matthew 10, 1. 
Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. So first, Jesus told his disciples to pray for workers. And then Jesus answered their prayer by equipping them to do the work. And remember, what was the work? The work was the same thing that Jesus has been doing, announcing the good news of the kingdom of God and healing every kind of sickness and disease. And that last part is really important. Jesus's compassion is what motivated him. And as a result of that compassion, what did he do? He healed people. He met their physical needs. And notice what Jesus gave his disciples the authority to do. He gave them the authority to heal every kind of disease and illness, to meet people's physical needs. Jesus's compassion, it led him to invite people into the kingdom of God and to meet their right now tangible needs. And he told his followers to do the same thing. He's telling us to do the same. Our compassion and care for the poor, sick, oppressed, and marginalized are the hallmarks of God's kingdom at work in our lives and in our world. Our compassion and care for others are not secondary to our doctrinal beliefs or religious observance. They are fundamental to our doctrine and our religion. Because without compassion, our religion becomes a harsh and cruel system of indoctrination, devoid of real love and real change. When I was 12, I was walking home from a friend's house on a cold day. It was late fall, and this dog started following me home. He was a full-size black lab, and even though he had this really bad limp in his back legs, he followed me all the way home. And so, of course, I brought him into the garage, I gave him some dog food, and I asked my parents if we could help him. Literally the next day, I rode my bike for miles, going to all of the local farms, asking if anyone had lost a dog, and nobody claimed him. I mean, he was a stray. During all of this, it was obvious that he was in a lot of pain, because whenever we would pet him towards his back end, he would just cry, and he still had this really severe limp. So we kept him in the house where it was warm just so he could kind of take care of him. After a few days, we took him to the vet and they did an x-ray and it turns out that his pelvis had been shattered, probably from being hit by a car. Probably he'd been hit by a car right before he found me and followed me home. So what do you do with a stray dog who needs surgery and a lot of care to recover? Well, to my parents' credit, we got him the surgery and we brought home this broken, untrained, stray dog as our own. His name was Poker, and in spite of the fact that he wasn't obedient, that he rarely came when you called him, and that he had no problem pooping in the house whenever he wanted to, he was an awesome dog. And I reflect on that story, and I see in it the kind of compassion that Jesus had. See, harsh religion would say, well, that dog needs to be trained to obey. He needs to follow our commands. He needs to not poop in the house and he needs to come when we call him. And when he he wouldn't do those things, harsh religion would put him out until he was ready to change or at a minimum acknowledge that he needed to change. But compassion says, that dog is hurting and needs help. Let's bring him into the house with all of his stinky smells and his wild energy I mean, it would be great for all of us 
if he learns to follow commands and gets housebroken. But before he can get there, we need to address his injuries first. And even if he never becomes an obedient dog, we're compelled to help him get better, whether he becomes what we want him to or not, because of compassion. Over the last several months, we've looked at story after story of Jesus reaching into the lives of the poor, the sick, the oppressed, and the marginalized. And we've seen Jesus doing it in ways that not only went against, but actually in some cases directly violated the religion of his day. And we know why he did it. Because Jesus was full of compassion for people, for the hurting, oppressed, and marginalized who he spent most of his time helping. And today, just as we close, I'd like you to just ask yourself one question. Do I have the same compassion Jesus did? Do I see people the way Jesus did? Do I see them as sheep in need of a shepherd to lead them, to guide them and care for them? Am I helping to meet the tangible needs of others? How do I care for the needs of the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, the lonely people in my sphere of influence? And religious people, let me tell you that without the foundation of compassion, the expression of your religion will be harsh and cruel. And just like the Pharisees and religious leaders, it will be easy to believe that that harshness and cruelty towards those who don't share your religious observance, that that harshness and cruelty is justified and even good. But it's not. Harshness and cruelty have no place in the kingdom of God, whether it's founded in religious observance or not. Compassion and love for others is what set Jesus apart and what drove him. And may compassion and love for others set us apart and drive us to announce the good news of the kingdom of God to our world. And may compassion drive us to bring healing to the tangible needs of everyone we encounter. And as we love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, and as we love our neighbor as ourself, as compassion is the foundation of our interactions with everyone we come in contact with, not religion, compassion. May God transform our lives, may he transform our homes, and may he transform our world. Thank you for sticking with me through this long message series, and uh, I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.